You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. Her Money is supported by Fidelity Investments. We want to inspire you to be in your financial front seat by knowing what you own, what you owe, how to reach your goals, and by having an annual checkup. Learn more at fidelity.com slash front seat. Her Money comes to you through PRX. So Kelly and I developed a um, party game mm-hmm. called a uh, Her Money Happy Hour. Um, I hope you're all drinking. Oh, and by the way, please help yourselves to more. Um. It's like, it, it, no, I'm, I'm serious. It's pour your own. And if you haven't asked a question yet and you feel like you need a little liquid courage because we're all participating, <laughs> now's the time. So We developed this party game, and essentially it's just a deck of cards comprised of leading questions. And so I'm just going to put people on the spot. Oh, great. Love that. (laughs) All right. I spend money because I want to have an exciting life. Um, I'm somewhat new to Boston. I moved here about four years ago. And in all honesty, I haven't been the greatest about saving money recently because I felt like I was in this new big city and I wanted to take advantage of it. And a lot of being in a city like Boston is spending money. You know, I want to try all the restaurants. I want to go to all the bars. I want to take duck tours. And so be careful with the duck tours. (laughs) Yeah. I I read a bad headline about those. Um, So yeah, I don't regret any of my money choices really over the last couple years, but um, I am excited about starting to focus on my future and save. And um, I just got married. My husband and I just got married. Congratulations. So we're starting to talk about money a lot more um, now, which we probably should have done prior to getting married. But we don't really have a lot of uh, like skeletons in our closet as far as uh, money goes. So that's good for us, I guess. So I'm thinking, we're doing this as we're going. We'll just pass it around. So we'll start with you, and it snakes up this way. If you could just take the whole deck and pass the mic to, and then we'll each do one. Is it okay to hide money from your spouse or partner in your underwear drawer? <laughs> what do you think? So I, I'm single, but my mom <laughs> said she learned from her mom that every woman should have their own little whether it's pin money or mad money or their own money. So I'm pro for having your own money, not a lot and not stealing it from anyone, but (laughs) just having a little bit hidden away. Before we move on, does anybody want to tackle that fear question? What's your biggest financial fear? I think um, my biggest financial fear is retirement. I'm a therapist and I work with so many um, older adults who've retired and now they're living with their children. Um, and just that burden of that and how they gave their kids these great lives but didn't save. Um, So I think that's terrifying. And I think um, I'm making it a point to make my own savings a priority and also my children. Um, Yeah. It's hard to balance. Yeah. Mine is kind of an offshoot of that. And part of that as a single person is not necessarily having a partner to, or planning to have a partner to fall back on in that regard. And so, yeah, I would say not having enough for retirement or, you know, dying penniless with nothing but a bunch of books because I can never stop buying books. Um, so yeah, I, I, I understand that retirement definitely looms large. 
We'll go back here. If you had a financial wake-up call, what was it? How did you handle it? Um, I don't know if it was a wake-up call, but it was definitely a turning point. I went to school in Boston, accumulated a lot of, you know, healthy student loan debt, and then got my master's, and just thought I would never um, recover. I would just always be paying a payment. And it was really um, meeting my husband and thinking his perspective, which we can get ahead of this. And now um, we own a house and we're affording mortgage payments and we just celebrated having eight months in our emergency fund. That's um, fabulous. Yeah. How, how did you do it? Well, um, our emergency fund uh, automation, our first year we were like, oh, we should have X amount and we'll just willingly put it in our savings and it didn't work. Um, and then the next year we did X amount out of our paychecks every week and uh, recent last week our boiler broke and we're able to afford it. Um, and that feels so powerful. That's great. Yeah. Congrats. I did that for you too. Do you feel like more money would make you more happy? Um, I don't think so. I mean, I did buy some lottery tickets last weekend. <laughs> Me too, when by I, the way. When it hits a billion dollars, I'm kind of tempted. Um, but I think, I mean, something that we talk about a lot is investing. And um, I'm definitely investing for retirement, but investing to build my money and to build wealth is a whole different area. So um, I think in that aspect, um, I'm dipping my toe in the water and um, looking to... Um, help grow that and, and learn at the same time, so. Cool. Describe the money dynamic in your relationship. Uh, I am a saver. My husband is uh, a spender, but never has time to. So we have an interesting money dynamic in, um, we have very different money personalities. It took us quite some time when we got married. I, I always say he, uh, I had cashed out actually my 401k twice. I feel Which so is much my better. Little deep twice, <laughs> and I, you know, they, the second pool was a, a little one. Yeah, the, the other one, and I did the same thing. I went shopping and bought clothes for the next gig, um, but I felt really good in those clothes. I did too. I did. I felt like I got the next job because I just was wearing those nice suits. Um, but when I met, when I got married to him, I he all of a sudden I think we got married, and he said, "Oh, I have I think it was seven thousand in credit card debt," and it was my first aha moment of wow. Uh, just for me, I never. I am a charge card kind of person. I believe you. You like use it and you pay it off at the end of the month. Those who may know me a little bit would not be surprised by that. Um, and so that was a moment of wow. We are. I noticed that we're very different personalities, and how we plan for our future. And it's taken us quite some time to come together. And we have recently taken a note from someone that I work with who has financial date nights, which at first I snickered behind the door, like, oh, who does that? Um, I, well, <laughs> no, Jean doesn't. No, Jean doesn't. I don't know what say. But we've talked about let's get ourselves in a corner with a bottle of wine. It's not really a date night, but it's a period of time where we can at least talk about it to make sure that we're on the same page. So it's been, it's been actually quite a journey having this different dynamic that we've tried to come together on. Um, so that's it. 
Thanks. So I'm a stand for a monthly finance date night. And if you're in a relationship or with yourself, it's really a date night with your finances. And there's a way to create it so it's streamlined. So if you use mint.com, but really the idea is, especially with the risk for security, it's a great idea for you to review your finances, make sure you made those purchases. And then it's a great idea, especially with a glass of wine, to just check in and, as Jean talked about, really um, having clarity on your financial goals. It's a great way to check in. And once a month, you can just schedule it. Like on the 15th, I say like the 15th or the 30th at the end of the month. And then once it's in your calendar, to just plan around it. So where are we? Um, I had mine last week. So I run a business, so I do it twice a month. But it's such a great practice. So thank you for bringing that up. Yes. And you can totally get your spouse on board for it because if you, because there's it, wine. There's wine. Because exactly. there's wine. And if you're being and if you're being proactive, it can be a more pleasant conversation than reactive of talking about a problem. Yeah. No. If you're proactive, you can talk about what you want, right? You can talk about your dreams and your goals, and that's the romance in money, as opposed to the stress. What does it mean to have enough? So when we boil it down, one of the human issues is we don't feel like we have enough in any area. Um, but what does it mean to have enough? Um, I liked the question of um, about happiness, because the idea really is either you're um, you, you're thinking about earning money to pay for something that will bring you either like joy or happiness, right? And each of that means something different to all of us. So I don't have a car. So for, for me, a car doesn't bring me joy. And for a lot of people, the type of car, shopping for a car, driving a car um, brings a lot of joy. So for me, like I'm not part of that conversation, right? Yeah. <laughs> Um, and I just I grew up in Boston, so I'm really lucky. So it's just really um, a lifestyle choice. And um, so, what does it mean to have enough? Um, I gave up a very lucrative job. I was working in investments, and um, for me, I asked the question like, what um, what contribution do I really want to make? And so I decided that I thought um, women weren't doing enough with their personal finances. So I thought, I am a female investor. I'm trained. I wanted to step forward and create an online platform as a way to, I provide online courses to teach women about money because we don't learn it anywhere. I have an eight-week course because women are busy. So eight weeks, I thought, as a busy professional, how can I create a program that would serve um, busy women but make a difference in, the, uh, in those eight weeks? And... Um, I'd like to say as a scrappy entrepreneur that it is still joyful. I work seven days a week. <laughs> um, and so what does it mean to have enough? I, um, w I used to think about, um, not on my necessarily my monthly finance date nights that I've been doing for a while, um, but when I would think about like what's next, like I'm finally in a place that like this had been what's next, like how can I create this business or how can I, um, in a way, like start my own business. And here I am, like now I'm doing it. So what's next? I actually don't have that driving me because I'm actually like in it and doing it. So and you're so, at enough. So I think that I'm at enough. And it's not about the money. Like it's, I, I would say that it was really about like what's next. I felt like that, that was the question that was coming up. And how am I going to kind of create this business? So I'm doing it and feel like I'm a scrappy entrepreneur. 
Um, but that is enough. It's fabulous. So for my, like for me, I think the answer is when I don't have to think about it anymore. Because I have fantasies about like taking care of my loved ones, or treating people, or entertaining, or just being at a place where I can just like live a life where money isn't stress. Mm-hmm. So I I can't I don't know what that number is, or I can't really quantify it. But it's a way in which like there's just this comfort where it's like you covered the boiler and it was, you just felt so proud and like yeah I want that, but like on a much bigger scale when especially at the thought of having a family and you know building building something, building more than just taking care of myself as a single woman right now. So, so is it Mega Millions money versus Powerball money? Yeah. I, honestly, exactly. I don't know. It. I don't know. Can I ask a question? For sure. I've been thinking. So a hot topic, uh, husband is here with me. Uh, I know, have, and brave man, yeah. by the way. Thank you for coming, Scott. Uh, front row. Yeah. Uh, he's with me, front row. So... We have young girls who, so 10 and 12, and so we're trying to instill how do you save and sort of why that's important. A few years ago, we started a, when they get money, they can spend some, save some, and share some. And they buy a coffee for my, you know, their grandfather, yeah. they buy a movie ticket for their grandmother, uh, they can buy a cute little gift for their friends. But the idea that it's important to have something to save. Uh, my 12-year-old starting to be a babysitter. I think in my next life, I'm just going to be a babysitter. Yeah. Uh, because you make a lot of cash <laughs> that instantly equates to, you know, owning something. Mm-hmm. And so we're really trying to instill, and we talk about this a lot, um, you know, the old days of the bank account. So I come from a very, you save, I'm a saver. Um, that is important. You know, my mother has given, started an investment club uh, when she was younger, um, gave me nothing but money to put in my bank when I graduated from high school and college and things of that. So I come from that background, but I'm trying to also have them live their lives. Uh, our family is all about adventures. You save for an adventure, an experience. That's very important to us. So how do you teach them the balance and the importance of saving for longer-term things where that, when everything's shiny, is right in front of them? So a couple of things. I think sometimes you just set a rule. So my kids have known since they were little 10%, and then we upped it to 15%. And you just, if you save 15% of whatever it is you have and whatever it is you earn for the rest of your life, you will be fine. Um, And it can include the matching dollars you'll eventually get, but you gotta hit that number. So they're on target to do that. But through their adolescence, we um, help them. I think part of what you want with saving with your kids is for them to get the satisfaction of saving for a goal. And that can be hard on an allowance, right? I, I, my, my son is a, is a good example because I remember he was maybe, I don't know, 10, 11 years old, and he wanted a gaming system couple hundred dollar gaming system and he was maybe getting five dollars a week and that's not easy right you can't wait that long and so we put chores on the fridge we matched we did sort of a homegrown 401k we matched we did we matched what he earned and um so we helped him to get to the goal faster, but he was still able to get to the goal himself, and he found a lot of satisfaction in that. Um, the other thing that I did with my kids as they grew up was just insist that they work. 
and and with the babysitting. I mean, babysitting, but also summer jobs. They were dog walking. They, they want to come camp- back as a dog walker. Yes, it's very lucrative. They were camp counselors. Not so lucrative, but it's amazing how the light bulb goes off. the The difference between the ten dollars that you give them in an allowance and the ten dollars that they earn is incredible. You know, that $10 that they earn, that that's an hour of my time, Mom. I'm going to think about how I spend that versus, oh, you gave me that $10, I'll get a manicure, right? It's totally different. And so I think all of those things combined, yeah. But, but it's important that they, the two lessons they have to learn are that money is limited and they have to figure out how to allocate their resources because they can't have everything. And that if they work, they can have whatever they want faster, right? So put those two things together and, and you sort of... And they can be in control a little bit. Yeah, But exactly. the aha, like, success was yeah. when we went to a store and my daughter said, that is $10? Yeah. That's not worth it. Oh, I don't want it. But you also have to let them screw up. Um, so they have to be able to buy the thing that is really stupid that's going to break tomorrow. And that... They have it, and that it breaks, and they can't replace it, you know. Or they, they have to just suck it up. That they they put their hard earned money toward this really ridiculous thing, and now they're sorry. And that's a good lesson too. I wanted a gaming system, so Nintendo for any of those who were peers, and it was you're you're gonna get sick of it and I think I tried to get talked out of it it was a hundred dollars and I was told I had to make the money myself you're gonna get sick of it you're gonna get bored um, all the you know all the different words so it, it, three months because I asked for my birthday and it was too expensive of a gift for my birthday so um, worked for it and then earned it and so I bought it like right before Christmas and so I, I could like tell people I got it for Christmas right because you're young and you that's important right um, and I remember the whole story around it and played it and like January 15th and I like didn't touch it again. And so it was such a great lesson of, um, you know, people had told me so, but I had earned it. And from then on, I didn't, I, I didn't have as much. You, of course, you, there are some other bigger items you get that feeling about, but a great lesson early on. What would make you feel financially free? To not have to work. That would make me feel financially free to know that I don't have to work and I'll be okay. I'm not there yet, Yeah, but I'm working on it. I think that is a really good, honest answer. Mm -hmm. You know, for a lot of people, right, we might want to work. We might want to do something with our days, but knowing that we no longer have to do this is incredibly freeing. I think about the day when I can work for fun, Mm. and now I'm starting to think about, well, what would that fun be? And there's so much to pick from. Mm-hmm. So it's a journey, and I have a little bit of time to get there, and I'm working on it. That's great. Yep. Julie? Okay. All right, so what financial lessons, good and bad, did you learn from your parents? Ooh, this is a fun one. <laughs> and have you been able to move beyond them? And so... Um, My parents were funny. So I'm the youngest of six kids, and my dad was in the Navy, and my mom 
didn't really work, but we moved around a lot. And my mom used to say, you're like, your dad's so cheap. And I was like, mom, he's not cheap. He's like conservative. And as now as like, I've gotten older, I really have a stronger appreciation for that because my mom's like, I'm a spender. And you can't really be a spender when you have six kids and you're not working. Um, so, <laughs> you know, and then as we moved on, you know, sadly, my, my dad got sick and had Alzheimer's for seven years. And um, I said, oh, thank God he was, you know, my mom will even say, thank God he was cheap. Like we have the house and we sold that and we were able to, they were able to pay for everything. But I think like looking back, it just made me so conscientious about what he was saving for because providing for his family was what was most important to him. And my mom loved, you know, the little baubles and all those things. <laughs> but he really had his priorities right, which was providing for his kids and sending his kids to college. And like that is his proudest moment was education and providing for his kids. So I love that about him. So that was mine. Anybody That's else great. want to add to that one? Julie. Julie. Okay. Hello. Um, so mine was, do you feel differently about inherited money than earned money? Um, I will say my grandfather was kind enough to leave my brother and I some money, which not a ton, but some comfort money. And um, we had somebody managing the money and it wasn't going that great. And I said, well, you know, it wasn't ours. My brother said, do you know how hard grandpa worked for that money? We should care about that. That's not just a gift, and you know we need to fight to make sure that works for us. So I feel just as passionately now about that money as I do about the money that I earned myself. And I've heard it go wow. the opposite direction too. Mm -hmm. um, my my uh, my husband helps his aunt and uncle who are older with their money, and um, they have some stock in Coca Cola that they inherited, and way too much of their money is tied up in Coca-Cola stock, but they can't let it go because they inherited it from somebody that they mm -hmm. loved. And for that reason, they just feel like it's way too important to sell. And we're dealing with that in our family right now. My dad worked for GE for 42 years. Wow. It's been a bit on the decline. Yeah, not so good We're lately. heavily weighted, and my brother is, you know, constantly, so we kind of tag team. So we're trying to learn about stop limit orders right now, but my dad is, you know, it'll come back, it'll come back. So he, let me put a limit order at $15 out there, but, you know, still is afraid of that bottom ceiling and kind of getting rid of it. And luckily that's not their main retirement and they'll be fine, but it is kind of a waste as you're watching that. So yeah. mm. anyways, okay, Susan. <laughs> Great. Uh, I picked, uh, what are you putting off doing with your money, which is <laughs> funny. It came into, we've already talked about it, but I've been putting off purchasing a house and have been renting for way too long, although I was happy to hear you say that it doesn't necessarily have to be um, top of the list. But I've been putting it off because I've been trying to find the perfect job and don't know where I'll be, so I keep putting it off. And my landlord was sitting next to me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that's great. <laughs> so, um, but that's what I've been putting off. Um, and then in the last year, I've become self-employed, so now it's harder to find a mortgage. So, yeah. Um, so, all sorts of things. And are you looking at? Are, do you think you'll be doing this in the near near future? Uh, well, I'd like to do it. As yeah. Early, I'm going to give up the finding the perfect job, and that I might not be in Boston and just do just it in 2019. Hopefully, good for you. if I can find somebody to give me a mortgage. Yeah. <laughs> Sure, why not? <laughs> uh, what trade-offs are you making for money? Wow, um, that's a really good question. I would say, I, you know, I think it's a little bit like what Viesha was talking about. Like, 
Um, I think the trade-off for me is I have a painting studio. I'm an artist on the side. And um, I would much rather be painting on a day-to-day -day basis than working. <laughs> so, um, you know, so right now I, I, um, I sort of sneak it into the side and um, do those kinds of things. But uh, I guess my trade-off is, you know, I have to make a living, and I'm not making a living out of being a painter. So, um, for now, my trade-off is working full-time. Very cool. Okay, cool. So the next one on the stack is, have you ever had bag lady fears? Discuss. Um, I would say maybe 10 years ago I was um, at a job that was taken over by a large corporation and I stayed there for a year trying to stick it out and it was just very uncomfortable so I quit. I had no job. Um, probably scariest thing, but I don't think I had really bag lady fears. I had savings, um, and I slightly planned for it. Not the best. Um, I got a certificate for teaching English as a second language and did that for six months. Um, but I'd say in the back of my mind throughout that year prior to going back into tech, I was like, oh my God, like, what is everyone going to think? My parents are going to kill me, and <laughs> I'm not putting money in my 401k, and I'm spending more than I'm earning. And so I would say definitely fears, but never out on the street. I think I was just pushed outside of my comfort zone, and I think... In general, I'm conservative and a saver, so when tons of my friends have just like, oh, who cares, just quit, you know, do your thing, um, are more of a free spirit than I am, so I'd say that was my biggest risk or slightly close to being fear of a bag lady. Everyone. All right. So this one is, how does money make you feel? <laughs> um, so many things. Like... Um, often really overwhelmed and sometimes not empowered. Um, sometimes I just feel like I don't understand it, honestly. Um, but in moments where I feel like I've sort of gotten control over my finances or um, I've kind of gotten a plan in place, money actually really makes me feel empowered. Um, and yeah, I don't know, <laughs> like really, I feel a lot of feelings when yeah. I think about money. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if anyone wants to jump in on that. <laughs> oh, I same. think that's, yeah. yeah. No, I think that's, it depends on the day. Yeah. It depends on the hour, <laughs> right. actually, right? Yeah. I mean, where you are and what you're doing and what you're in the middle of. So many different things. Yeah. As we've gone around, I actually sort of realized I do have a question. Okay. <laughs> but that doesn't get you out of picking a card. <laughs> so my question is, people have been talking a lot about what their relationship was to money when they were children. And in my family, you know, I was very lucky. We were always comfortable. But that sort of fostered this sort of don't ask, don't tell mentality. And it was definitely considered rude or impolite, even amongst like our family, like you just don't ask those questions. Um, 
And as my parents are getting older, I'm sort of wondering how in a family where, you know, money was never a really big issue, how do you bring up, you know, I don't know where my folks' retirement is. I don't know what their financial situation really is. And how do you open that conversation? So Kelly said it actually earlier. You give a little to get a little. You say, I just did my will. I just changed the beneficiaries on my 401k at work. I just was reading this article about um, this person who had to go into assisted living or my friend's father just went into assisted living and it made me think about you and what you want. And I realized I don't know what you want. And so can you tell me what you want? Can you tell me how you're situated? Can you tell me, are you going to need my help? Um, Because that's something that I should be able to plan for if it's true. And I'm happy to help. But start with yourself and then ask them. So, Mom, Dad, I went to a podcast recording tonight about personal finance. Perfect. (laughs) So I'm actually experiencing this right now, too. And I'm wondering, of your two parents, who is more willing to talk about money? Probably my mom. So start with her. Okay. Same for over here. And like I've used her as my like ally in approaching my dad. Uh, but it's really uncomfortable because it's going against the parent-child dynamic and it's role reversal and it feels really weird. But then I'm starting to notice signs too that it's like, okay, I should probably start engaging with them and making sure I know what they're doing in case there becomes a time where like I need to step in and help in a bigger way. And it's, it's just uncomfortable. So that's, that's kind of like, you know, just the face you just made doing that <laughs> over and over again with it. But I started with my mom first and eased into it being a family conversation. Yeah. Okay, great. Thanks. Yeah. Sure. 80% of women don't talk about money with the people we're close to. Why is that? <laughs> because... I've never lived anywhere besides the United States, so maybe I'm wrong, but I think we have this very Puritan notion of like money is tied up with worth and it's like evidence of how hard you work and if you don't make any money, it must mean you're not working hard enough. And so I think that it just brings up a lot of other socio-dynamics to introduce money into a conversation, Mm -hmm. whether that's with friends or with family. Um, There's just, it's not, we're talking about money, but it's never just about money. And I think that that's probably why it makes it hard to talk about it, even with people we're close with. I think that's an amazing answer. It's really good. Yeah. Okay, are you sick of talking about balance or do you still want solutions? I still haven't found the answer. I feel like this year, um, I think Ellen knows I gave a TED Talk like a month ago and I talked about how I finally figured out how to change my habits. Um, but I feel like now I'm at this point where like, I go to work, I go to the gym, I get eight hours of sleep, and then there's like one hour left in the week. And I don't even have kids or a husband. And so I'm like, I don't even know how they do it. <laughs> so I'm not sick of talking about it. I really think, I really believe strongly that we have to choose what our priorities are. And then we have to align the rest of our life around those priorities. And I started doing... Um, Every, Denise is probably sick of me talking about YNAB, <laughs> but there's a, a budgeting program called You Need a Budget. And, uh, and that's it's all about... It's a great program. It's really, like, I think I've paid off, 
like 20,000 extra on my student loans wow. this year because of YNAB. Um, Congrats, yeah. <laughs> it's all YNAB, so just youneedabudget.com. I'll send you the referral code, you get a free month. Nice. Um, <laughs> but anyways, but it's all about like just aligning your money to what your priorities are. And so I'm really trying to think about my life in the same way, but I just feel like there's not enough time. So I'm not sick of talking about it. I don't know what the solution is, but I know that at least you have to start by putting your priorities first. Can we rewind back to like you saying you did a TED Talk? Yeah. <laughs> it was not like a, an official TED Talk we did at work. The Women's Leadership That's Group had a so TED cool. Talk. That's yeah, Very so cool. Yeah. It was really great. Yeah. You just slipped that in there. Yeah. <laughs> I actually posted it on the Humble Brag Thread. Bre- blah. Humble, humble Brag Thread, thread yes. yesterday. I actually oh, blogged oh, it. So you can watch go read it. it. So you can just go Is everybody through. in the Facebook group? Yeah, if, if you're not in the okay, Facebook good. group, get in the Facebook group. It's, yep. it's really cool. All right. I would like to pass, but I'm going to participate. <laughs> Thank you for that. <laughs> okay, do you feel pressure to keep up financially with friends, family, colleagues, neighbors, social media? So this is perfect because um, I didn't think I felt pressure until recently I talked to a really good friend um, who has a great career as a PA. Um, she owns her own house. I mean, I don't know in depth financially because we just discussed why don't women talk amongst each other or friends about their finances. But I, I know a little bit of um, that she does well in her work and she saves. And she was talking about how she's um, working extra hours to pay for her parents' 50th anniversary. And initially I was like, man, I can't even like monthly send my mom $100 right now. And for me, that made me start to compare. But instead, I was just like, you know what? I just celebrated that she's able to do that. She's talking about how tired she is working these extra hours. But she's sending her parents on a trip and doing all these things. But I was just like, you know what? For me, um, all I can do is just celebrate her in that and just say hopes like, you know, one day I hope I can do something nice for my parents as well. Um, it may not be on that level, and who knows? It might be on a bigger level, but I just had to um, not compare myself at that moment and just celebrate another person and something big that they're able to do for somebody and then hope for myself that I get my stuff together that I can um, be giving to other people and especially my family. I think that's a wonderful way to look at it, actually, that you're going to celebrate another woman's success. I mean, that's... That's fantastic. As we wrap it up, Alex, do you want to participate? Yes. Alex yes. in the back. Yay. How would you like to invest financially in yourself? I mean, I think something I'm walking away from this event with is that very question. You know, I just also got married, and I've always looked at different women in my life, in my family. Um, and, and looked at how some women in my family have done that and others haven't, you know, and the position that's put themselves, them in. My mother, for example, like did not do that. Now my parents are divorced and I've sort of watched her struggle without that foundation, without that security. And it's something I've really resolved myself to figure out um, and to be independent about. So I would just like to feel that that's not something holding me back, you know, in any realm of my life and that I can um, and, and, and I think 
my husband and I have done that well already in like this fact that like we have not merged all our finances. You know, we have a joint account, but we also maintain like very separate accounts at the same time. And I'm, I'm hoping that will always be the case because <laughs> yeah. uh, I don't want to feel monitored. And I also don't want to feel like our success is necessarily 100% dependent on each other, but that we can have our own success and do what we will with that. And, um, and yeah. Fabulous. Thank you so much. And thanks to all of you for coming and for participating. Yes, there is more wine and more cheese and more food. And um, we're just thrilled to have you as part of our community. So thank you so much. Thank you.